Hello and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I am your host, Scott Brady, and I am here with my co-host, Matt Swartz. Hello. We're going to talk today about fridges and soft coolers. We're going to touch a little bit as well on hard coolers, but basically all things related to keeping our food cold or cool when we're out traveling because food is a big deal when it comes to remote travel. It's one of the joys of overlanding is that you can cook these great meals and, and have all this great food along with us when we're out and about. So what do you think of this whole fridge thing, Matt? I mean, you've been a backpacker for a long time. So what's this, how's this going with like having cold beer at the end of the day? (laughs) I think having a refrigerator on board is like, it's a game changer. I mean, it elevates the entire experience. It enables so much more in terms of feeding yourself. And as you mentioned, I mean, having quality food on the trail is like, it's just a whole different ball game. 12 volt fridges are fantastic. They work so well. And a special thanks to Red Arc for supporting this podcast. Looking to upgrade your solar setup or get your adventure rig ready for summer? Red Arc is proud to announce their new foldable solar blankets available in 160 watts, 240 watts, and even 300 watts of power output. These monocrystalline blankets allow maximum energy absorption even without direct sunlight. Paired with genuine Anderson connectors for easy and reliable connectivity. Also available as a kit including necessary cables and a solar regulator for a turnkey solution for those beginning their solar journey. Red Arc's new monocrystalline folding solar blanket panels and accessories are perfect for complementing their existing line of fixed folding and solar blankets. For the ultimate off-grid power setup, pair Red Arc's new solar panels with their already popular range of dual in-vehicle or battery management systems. Featuring next-generation battery charging technology and maximum power point tracking solar regulators, eliminating the need for a second regulator. And with built-in green power priority, it will select solar charging first, which means less of a load on your alternator. Red Arc's line of solar products have been torture tested in the rugged Australian outback and specifically designed for backcountry use where efficiency, durability, and reliability are key to having an enjoyable and safe overland journey. They really do work well. And, and it's just like getting at the end of a, of a dusty, hot day and like oh, bre- breaking out an ice cream cone or, <laughs> or having ice for your margarita. Yep. I mean, it's funny. The fridge thing has always been a point of humor around overlanding because it does seem so excessive to have a refrigerator in your car. That is, that's only an opinion that people hold that don't have one yet (laughs) or haven't used one yet. There probably are about five Ludites out there that are like super hardcore and they wrap their meat in like a brown paper bag or something like that. For the most part, if you've got a fridge in your truck at the end of the day to have, you know, a nice piece of salmon Mm -hmm. ready to cook over the fire, to have a cold drink anytime during the day. All of those things are a big deal. The reason why we tend to use 12 volt fridges as opposed to hard sided coolers is that the vehicle is already generating 12 volt electricity. They are a little heavier. Uh, Sometimes they can be a lot heavier, but um, hard sided coolers are heavy as well, especially if they're well insulated. But the advantages in the truck, we've got 12 volt electricity that we can use to run the compressor. Uh, But there are some other considerations around that too. So I think we're going to spend some time today going through why do you want to use a 12 volt fridge? And then what are some things that we want to look for? What are some key attributes around 12 volt fridges when we choose to to buy a particular model? And then after that, we're going to get into soft-sided coolers and hard-sided coolers a little bit because they also have their place very much so for remote travel as well. But when it comes to 12 volt fridges, not much has changed 
changed. In fact, in the test that we just did for Overland Journal, uh, the angle fridge that's in that test looks exactly the same as the angle, the first 12 volt fridge I ever saw, which was an angle uh, about 20 years ago. Like it is literally indistinguishable between the two. I'm sure they've done some things to improve it. And on this particular model, it is a dual uh, compartment. So it isn't a dual zone. Like you can't change the temperature of one to one zone to the next, but the way that it separates the two areas of the fridge, uh, one area against the cold plate gets freezing. And then the other one ends up, you know, being, you know, 15, 18, 20 degrees warmer than that other section, which puts it right in the refrigerator duration category. So it's pretty, pretty interesting how, how they've solved a lot of those things. Got it. Yeah. Having the two areas being able to freeze items and have refrigerated things is, is really fantastic. The first, my, my first 12 volt fridge or the first one I had experience with was an ARB 50 liter and it was a single compartment. So I didn't have the ability to, I, I could dial it way down if I wanted to freeze everything, freeze everything, sure. right? Which I actually did on one occasion when I was at Burning Man, I brought that along. We food prepped for the whole week and we packed all our meals in vacuum bags and we put them in there and we dialed it all the way down to freezing. It actually worked great for that purpose. Obviously, then you have to take things out. You have to let them thaw. Sure. You can't have cold drinks. Having those two chambers is really kind of a game changer. I think it is. And a lot of people choose those now because then you can have frozen meat or pre-prep meals that you want to keep ice cream, et cetera, make ice along oh, the way, which ice is- cream. That is, is key. That is very important. <laughs> I would say so. Yep. And it, it's just such a fun way to travel because oftentimes when we're remote, we can be remote for three, four or five a week or more. And so being able to have good quality food over that period of time and not having to just go with canned food or dried food uh, that you can store. Now, I think it's important to complement those things. So you always want to have enough food with you just in case things go wrong. So you're going to end up with pastas and, and rice and other things that aren't being refrigerated. But just the fact that you can, for those hot days, you can start to feed drinks in to the fridge throughout the week, uh, get them cooled down, and then just enjoy a cold beverage at the end of the day or even throughout the day. When you're out going out hiking to have cold water um, just makes a huge difference in how much you're enjoying a hot hike. I think so. And I, I think, you know, I would I think the fridge goes one step further than just being a luxury because we're kind of talking about that, talking about it in that capacity. But, and I think you would agree, you know, on these longer trips, like some of our folks in the overlanding space who are full-timers, you know, sure. who are traveling continuously. I mean, I think it's, you really need to have fresh food. Like we can't be eating dry goods and canned goods all the time. It's like, it's not great for our body to be subsisting solely on right. those things. So fresh food is really important for our, our morale on longer trips and for our health. So I think I would argue that also having these schoolers or, or fridges in this case is, is like a necessity for longer trips. Yeah, I would agree. And also when we're traveling, we never know when we're going to come into an opportunity to get food like that. I remember when I was crossing the Silk Road, I did not have a fridge because we were in a Suzuki Jimny, very small vehicle. I needed fuel capacity. So I had, you know, 20 liter jerry cans as opposed to the space that a fridge would be allocated to. It was very challenging. It, you know, we had a soft cooler, a very small soft cooler that we could put some meat in, but it was amazing how long you could go without actually coming across fresh food. Some of the places that we went in Russia, for example, the only meat that we could find was horse meat. So like you, you're, and it was all frozen, all in big freezers. So that kind of helped. You could have this frozen food and it would keep for a couple of days 
days it would slowly thaw out inside the soft cooler, but you don't know when you're going to be able to find fresh food. So if you can find, you know, veggies and salads and things like that, then you can put them in the fridge and then they can keep for a week or so, which would never work with a soft cooler. And it is surprising how difficult it is to find ice in most of the developing world. Mm. Larger towns and that certainly, but sometimes it's even hard to find out where it's at. The fact that you've got a fridge, you can go to the fresh market because most of these people are shopping daily or shopping every other day or so um, just for what they need for the next few days. So if you've got a fridge, you can stock up on all these fresh items that you can get at the local market and then keep them for a week or so when you're in the back country. Definitely. And also getting back to those dual zone fridge freezers. I mean, you can actually make ice in some of these places. That's right. These, which opens up a whole range of opportunities like margaritas. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, which is very important. Yes. And in fact, that that is the fridge that I ended up using more often recently, uh, which is a Dometic CFX 55. And it's kind of a hybrid in the sense that it has a very large compartment for storing food at refrigeration temperatures, but then it has two ice trays that sit right on top of where the compressor I remember compartment seeing that. is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a complete two zone. It's an extremely lightweight bridge with a lot of interior volume for the exterior volume of it. And then you can still make ice. So if you wanted to put ice in a soft cooler for going out and having a picnic or having drinks in the front of the vehicle, or if you want to have the margarita at the end of the day, um, I've not tried to like set ice cream bars right on top of that to see if that would work too. It probably would, but um, I don't tend to have ice cream when I'm out traveling, uh, even though I want it, but like I try to avoid it. Making the ice is pretty key. Now that I've had that option, I don't think I would go with just the pure single zone uh, that couldn't also make ice. So I think there are options out there like these hybrids, like this Dometic, where you can have the capability to make ice but then you just have this very large refrigeration compartment. So it's a little different. Did the ice making capabilities of that one work well, even it, though it was it, it does. one chamber? Yeah. It does. The only thing I would say is that the ice trays are fairly small. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be five, six inches square and there's two of them. So you definitely end up with enough ice at the end of the day for a couple cocktails. But if you stay on top of it, throughout the day and you take that ice and you put it into um, a Ziploc bag and you put it right on top of where the ice is being made, you can kind of build up a little bit of inventory, which is what I've been been doing. So yeah, you don't end up with a ton of ice, but you definitely end up with the capability of making ice. I would say in, in my experience with fridges too, that, that seems kind of par for the course. Like none of these have, save for a few maybe, have a big enough frozen section to fit like a conventional ice cube tray. Usually you're getting a right. smaller one that's designed for these types of fridges. Yeah. And they're out there and they've got good lids on them so that they don't spill when you're at angles and rattling around in the back country. Uh, so let's talk through about the key attributes that you want to look for in a fridge. It's typical for us to want to have like all the gadgets with them. And I think that those are actually some of the least important things. Some of the most important things are around the efficiency of the fridge. And the efficiency comes from two attributes. It comes from uh, how much power the compressor pulls, and then it comes from how well insulated the unit is. So you could have a fairly inefficient compressor, but a very well insulated fridge, you would end up with a very efficient unit because the compressor wouldn't have to run very often. So for example, with the angle fridges, compressor itself is extremely efficient, also extremely robust. Uh, It's a very simple compressor that just kind of runs inside of a cylinder, very few moving parts. It's the only one like it. For that reason, it's it's extremely efficient and also very reliable. Like they've 
been known to run for 30 or 40 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in- incredibly reliable units, very low amperage draw. And also what's important too is amperage startup. So a lot of times we'll try to plug in our fridges into the factory wiring of like, let's say a forerunner, a forerunner factory wiring at the 12 volt socket is not large enough diameter to be able to take the startup amperage loads of most fridges. So a lot of times they won't even start. They won't even work. So you've got to wire in a heavier wire. Whereas the angle, if you're concerned about wire diameter, the angle takes just a couple amps to get fired up. Whereas some of the Danfoss style compressors, those can take eight, nine, 10, 12 amps to start up. Um, and that can be more than what those circuits are designed to take. I didn't realize that that those could draw so much power on startup. I know, you they know, do. obviously like AC appliances, like think about like a uh, air conditioner, right? Right. It can, it can draw like two to 3000 Watts initially on startup. Right. And then it comes back down, but I didn't realize the fridges were the it's same. The same. It's the same thing. It's, it would be like an air conditioning compressor. Right. Um, so it's that initial motor startup uh, that pulls the most amps. So there are units that, that do a very good job of both. For example, the National Lunas are designed to have very efficient compressors and to have exceptional insulative qualities as well. Are you aware of, um, I know with some, for instance, like RV air conditioners, you can get these soft startup modules that you can install mm. that um, they basically like ramp up the power somehow. I don't understand how they work exactly, but they deal with some of those issues of like high uh, startup draw. Mm. Do you know if they make anything like that for fridges? That's an interesting idea. And yeah, all you would need is some kind of a capacitor because mm-hmm. you're just basically storing some capacity um, after the 12 volt outlet. So it's just sitting there ready to take that quick surge, um, that high amperage load that could, that could work. I've never, I've never tried that or seen people try that. A lot of the vehicles that come from the factory, the wiring's just not Quite up to the task, which is which is unfortunate. Yeah. So I, when you mentioned the Danfoss, so I remember this because when we were trying to select a, a refrigerator for our previous RV, the Cortez, you know, we did a lot of reading on this, and and the Danfoss is one that people mention over and over again. Uh, maybe not necessarily for its efficiency, but I think for its longevity, for sure, and very reliable. The ARB fridge as far as the, mm-hmm. the one that we had, and maybe they still do use the Danfoss compressor. So, they do. but it sounds like, and, and that angle, was it an angle or a, a Dometic that you were mentioning? The Dometic uses a Danfoss style. Okay. The National Luna uses a Dan, Danfoss style. They don't use a Danfoss um, a OEM anymore. They but use it's based on the design. Yeah. They use yeah. an equivalent one that they have, that they've selected. Uh, but National Luna, their primary job is making fridges. Yeah. And as a result, they have a wide variety of sizes and capabilities. Uh, it's funny. They actually make, I call them like a gamer fridge. So they, they actually make a few models that like they would send for typically send for a test where the, the insulation is like three or four inches in the sides. So it's, it's, it's literally designed to be the most efficient, fastest cooling fridge just out of spite props to them. I mean, it's their job is to make really great fridges. And there's no doubt that if you needed a fridge in Saudi Arabia or something in the summertime, you would use a fridge like that. But if you were to put it into a test, it would just walk away. And, and we have tested some of those national lunas and they're unbelievably efficient. Once you get them cooled down to temperature, they hardly run at all. They just don't need to. And they're also injected insulation as well. So every single nook and cranny of the inside of the case is completely covered in this really high performance insulation. Uh, whereas a lot of the cheaper uh, fridges, they'll just have like foam panels that they put inside there and they really don't do a great job of insulating. Yeah. So there's a bunch of different attributes that we've seen because we've done three full tests 
now of fridges through the years. And we've learned a lot in that process. So one of the things that we want to look at is that efficiency, because when you're parked on the beach in Baja for a couple days, and let's say you have a small solar panel or no solar panel at all, you don't want to have to run the engine a lot. You don't want to have to have a a really big battery bank because it adds weight and complexity and cost. So having an efficient fridge really helps when you're parked in a single location. Now, if you tend to move every single day and change camps often, then the efficiency of the fridge is much less important because you're running the engine during the day while you're driving on the trail, which is charging up the batteries and also keeping the fridge cold. And a trick around that too is if you tend to drive every day, when you first get into camp, turn the, the fridge up a little bit. It's temperature up a little bit. It's thermostat. So that way the fridge doesn't run as often. It just kind of stays cold throughout the night. And then the next day when you start back on the trail again, get it to the lower range of the refrigeration scale. So that way it gets everything super cold uh, during the day. And then you don't, it doesn't have to run that often at night. That's a, that makes me think like someone who's really clever with like Arduino programming or something. I wonder if you could build something that would, it would sense the vehicle running. Oh yeah. And it would automatically lower the temperature while the vehicle's running to automatically do that. So you don't have to worry about changing temperatures. That would be extremely clever. And we're starting to see some of that around the apps. So that wouldn't be very difficult yeah, for the ones that have apps already for the app designer to include a schedule, or you could do a couple, if then right. little, little settings in there. If the vehicle voltage is over X, which then, would be a signal of the, of the alternator running, correct. Right, then drop the temperature. Exactly. Or even like a time-based one, like your thermostat at home, you could just say, you know, at 9 PM, raise the temperature yep. five degrees. And then at 7 AM, drop it down. Oh, that's degrees. a clever idea. And I'm sure somebody will, will eventually do something like that. Cause it would really help. The apps are getting to be a lot more robust. So you can go in there, you can check the voltage. Um, you can check the temperature of the unit. Um, and it's also when we talk about that small diameter wiring that's in, in most of the vehicles, even if you can get the fridge to work properly with it, you do get a lot of voltage drop because there's so much amperage going through that small diameter wire that you may see 12.6 volts at the battery and maybe you're at 12.1 or or 12 or even 11.8 at the fridge itself. And a lot of times that will trip the low voltage disconnects that are in the fridges, which brings me to the next topic, which is along with efficiency, you want to have some kind of starting battery protection or house battery protection in the fridge. Most of the fridges didn't have that. So for example, an an angle of 20 years ago, it would run all the way down to nine volts. I mean, it would, it would, it's so efficient. It would just keep running and running and running and running uh, that little swing style compressor in there, it would just continue to run until it bottomed out the battery, like basically down to nine volts. Now, this is this is a really interesting point um, because I remember on a couple occasions. So again, in our older RV, we had a two battery AGM solar power system that we installed because it was AGM. It was running fairly close to 12 volts. You know, mm-hmm. it would be a little bit above that when it was at kind of peak charge and everything. But I remember on a handful of occasions when we were in places like Northern California in the winter, we didn't have the sunlight that we needed to really charge. We're running our ARB full time. Sometimes the battery voltage would get low enough that the fridge would actually kick off and stop working. And the workaround that I found was that was a a two-way. So it was DC and AC. And if I switched over to AC power, the inverter could invert the 12 volt power that was remaining down to a much lower voltage, still up to 120 to run the fridge, but it was a less efficient way to run the fridge. Yeah. A lot of parasitic loss in that process for sure. Right. So that's kind of, that's why I found this interesting because uh, some of these fridges do require a minimum voltage. So are there any concerns around running these fridges in vehicles that just have single starter batteries? Like, would you recommend 
recommend that most people that want a fridge install a dual battery system? Oh, that's a great question. I oftentimes will not install a dual battery system. Um, I will install a high quality starting battery for the vehicle. And then I make sure that I have low voltage disconnects to protect it. So I'll have a low voltage disconnect at the battery. And then I'll also make sure that the low voltage disconnect on the fridge is set properly. Uh, A lot of them, like a National Luna, has three different settings for the low voltage disconnects. You can always preserve starting power uh, for for the engine, which is pretty important. I I do like having auxiliary battery systems. So like in the Scout Camper, Mm -hmm. I have a Goal Zero Yeti in there, and that's what runs the fridge. And the Goal Zero does have, not only does the Dometic have a low voltage disconnect, but the Goal Zero itself has internal protection for the lithium ion battery. There's a bunch of those systems in place to protect that. Yeti also has a regulated 12 volt output. So I know it can draw down below 12 volts and still put out over 12 so that it will still run appliances. They need a minimum of let's say 12.1 or something. Yeah. And that's super helpful because the higher the the voltage within a range, of course, there's an operating range, but if you're at 13 volts, the fridge will run so much more efficient than than if it's at 11.5. so the less efficient it gets because of the voltage drop, the more amperage it consumes. We want to make sure that the battery, and that's why something like an AGM or a lithium ion is so helpful because an AGM will typically have a much higher float. If you were to look at a Odyssey battery, um, it'll float at 13.2, 13.4 volts. So it's already going to be more efficient for the, all of those systems and the fridge will run more efficiently to begin with. Got it. Uh, but if you're going to be running a big fridge or you're running in really hot environments, or you're going to be camping for multiple days without solar, then you definitely want to make sure that you have a house battery to support that. I will typically just bring along a solar panel and I don't worry about it. I've got low voltage disconnects, plug in the solar, and then I'm making plenty of power off of the solar panels. Like I use kind of a semi-flexible panel from Overland Solar. I just put it right on the windscreen and it generates plenty of power. Now that I've got the Scout Camper 180 watt panel up top, so that's plenty of power to run, run the fridge. Yeah. I see a lot of questions about this in forums and things like that. People saying like, I'm getting a fridge. Can I just plug it into my vehicle? And it's not just a simple yes or no answer, which is I think kind of what you're getting at here. Yeah. Definitely. You want to protect that starting voltage. So, and the best way to do that is you just, you get into camp, you unplug the fridge, just make sure that you're not drawing it down. And some of those factory 12 volt outlets, they're already ignition on anyways. So as soon as you turn the car off, it shuts off the power to the, to the socket. So it's just making sure that you set it up for what your needs are for sure. Yeah, that's smart. And then the, after we've taken a look at the efficiency and the electrical componentry and the like the apps, for example, of how to manage the fridge, then we really want to look at how space efficient the fridge is and the overall construction of it. We're going to be lashing down something that may weigh 40 or 50 pounds, just the fridge itself. But imagine once you load it up full of food, especially a lot of frozen food, uh, you could be pushing 80 pounds or more of weight. The fridge needs to be lashed down properly. So making sure that the fridge that you buy either comes with robust handles or with an accessory or an ability to heavy duty lash down the fridge inside the vehicle. It's super dangerous if it starts flying around. Totally. And there are a lot of ready-made options for this. And and some of them go beyond just lashing it down. Like there are all these fridge slides that you can get where the fridge is physically attached to a slide. And that actually facilitates making it easier to access the fridge too, right? Like totally. you can pull it out from your the bed of your truck yep. or from the rear seat of your truck. Totally. And some of them will even they tilt. pull out and drop down or yep. tilt down, uh, which really makes it easier, especially if someone's a little bit shorter. It can be really hard to get in a tall vehicle. It can be very hard to get into the food. You end up needing a step ladder or something to get in there. But those 
those drop down slides can really make a big difference. Talking with people in the community about how they work, how robust it's been, does it rattle? Because the last thing you want to do is introduce a bunch of unnecessary weight and complexity with that. Making sure that it is lashed down properly is super important. Uh, you'll also find that the material that the fridge is made out of makes a big difference as well. And that all results in the, how it affects the weight of the fridge. So another reason why I use the Dometic in the Scout is because it's the lightest unit with those kinds of, of quality attributes. So it's a high performance fridge, but it's also very light, less than 40 pounds. Um, so it's 15% or so lighter than most other fridges. And it uses a plastic case for that. That's where the majority of the weight savings comes from is the plastic construction. That kind of, it feels like it makes sense for that use case though, because you've got it lashed down inside the camper. Correct. It's not like it's in the bed of a truck where gear might be banging into it. So a plastic case is fine in that case. I think right? it's, I think it's totally fine in that particular instance. Whereas something like a national Luna that's made it's skinned in stainless steel, it's dimpled stainless steel. Um, I've used those for decades and they are unbelievably robust. They literally don't seem to care about what's rubbing up against them or whatever. And you can just polish it out. They're clearly designed for the, the most difficult use case scenarios. Whereas any of the plastic fridges are going to get a lot of scuff and visible wear if you've got stuff rubbing up against them. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our ARB after three full years on the road was, it had, yeah, they get pretty, they get pretty beat, but we also covered it in stickers and stuff. So it, you know, yeah, yeah, which is like great way to solve the problem because it's just cosmetic. The angle, for example, it is a steel shell, but it's painted. So it's pretty easy for it to get scratched and scuffed and stuff like that. Now, most of these manufacturers, they make transit cases for them or they make covers for them. And those can oftentimes add to the insulative properties of the unit and it protects the expensive fridge as well. Considering a, a cover is always a valuable thought as well to the fridge. Got it. Yeah. I was going to ask if you've used one and if you've noticed, does it enhance the insulating considerably or is it just marginal? I think it definitely helps. A great example of that is when you got direct sun coming in, I've noticed that like if you've got a case on it, like a soft or a canvas or a fabric case, it's amazing. Like if you've got the case open on the top and it's just baking the top of the fridge, it can be like hot to the touch. Whereas if you've got the case over it, the outside of the case gets warm, but it's not Again, it's not a metal surface. Yeah. It's just absorbing that. It's amazing. You can put your hand underneath there and it's it's cool. I think it makes a really big difference when it's getting direct sun, but it adds complexity. You've got to unzip the cover. Some of them are a little more clever than that, but there's pros and cons to all of it. But I do think that a, a cover is a good idea if you're trying to maximize the insulative performance of it or protect the fridge. I was going to say, do, use. do the covers ever add some additional like filtration to the intake around the compressor? Because I know like we operate these things in really dusty and environments mm. often. And, and that could be a consideration like dust getting in with the compressor. I've not seen that. That's okay. an interesting thing. I've not seen it, any integrated filters in the covers. That would be really clever, but I, no, I've not seen that. They normally just have mesh around the intake or, yeah. or around the venting of the fridge. Uh, and that's another consideration as well is making sure you don't put blankets and stuff like that. We've actually seen trailer manufacturers that will put fridges in unventilated boxes uh -huh. and it's just like, doesn't work. Like yeah. it's, it's going to destroy the fridge. Yeah. Cause they do, they pump out heat from those air compressor compartments considerably. Like I remember like in our smaller vehicle, when we had it, I mean, it would, it would add heat to the, yeah. the cabin. Yeah. It's, you know, there's the condenser and then there's the evaporator um, and the evaporator has a fan going against it. it needs to clear that heat out in order for it to be as efficient as possible. So sure. making sure that you don't stick blankets and other 
things around those vents, make sure those vents are clear and that'll greatly improve the efficiency and longevity of the fridge. And the manufacturers, if, from what I remember, they'll usually give you like a recommended clearance minimum yep. that you need to maintain around those vents. So that's really important to pay attention to. It, and yeah, not, it's super important. Not jam these things right up into a corner where they can't get airflow. So Yeah. Or it's easy just like, cause the, the way that they're shaped, it's easy for like a blanket or something to fall off onto the one side of them. Or maybe you put the blanket there to keep it from banging up against the side of the vehicle. That becomes a real problem around the efficiency of the fridge. This content is brought to you by Overland Journal, our premium quality print publication. The magazine was founded in 2006 with the goal of providing independent equipment and vehicle reviews, along with the most stunning adventures and photography. We care deeply about the countries and cultures we visit and share our experiences freely with our readers. We also have zero advertorial policy and do not accept any advertiser compensation for our reviews. By subscribing to Overland Journal, you're helping to support our employee-owned and veteran-owned publication. Your support also provides resources and funding for content like you are watching or listening to right now. You can subscribe directly on our website at overlandjournal.com. All right. So those are the main considerations around that. Um, let's go through real quick the fridges that we tested, which represent kind of the current crop. There are some that we didn't test, uh, like a Snowmaster, for example, um, but we have tested those units in the past. The first one on the list is the ARB. Now, this is their new Zero line. Very similar, um, in fact, made in the same factory as the Truma. So what we say about the ARB also applies to the Truma and, and vice versa. Um, this is a, a, a very large fridge, a lot of interior volume. It is a dual zone, so it has a small freezer compartment uh, that can also be disassembled. So that's kind of interesting. You can make it one big uh, refrigeration compartment by removing the freezer components of it. Mm -hmm. um, the freezer components do rob a little bit of interior space. So um, if you don't really need uh, the freezer, then you can have one giant fridge. And that's basically, it, it was like an insulated hard plastic divider that right. slides in, right? Yep. Exactly. It just yep. slides between the food baskets. I like that. I like the fact that it has a drain at the bottom. Drains are really helpful. The when drain you, is key. It I is remember key. that. And you have to, it's surprising how much condensation can accumulate in these. Yep. Like if you're keeping vegetables in there that yeah, are in sealed plastic. Or one of your drinks freezes and explodes. Totally. Or, you know, yeah. it's amazing the amount of stuff that leaks into the bottom of a fridge. So yeah. it really helps with cleaning and it also helps with draining that out. So that's a consideration. There were some things. So let's go through the pros and the cons. Uh, great uh, volume for mm -hmm. large groups or if you've got a family with you. Uh, really durable construction overall. I really like the fact that it has stainless steel actually lashing points and lashing accessories that really tie the fridge down nicely. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I like most about it was that it has a 12 volt input on both sides of the fridge oh, because you, you have to be able to see the monitor to get insights on how the fridge is performing. But sometimes that means you'd have got to, you got to run the wiring around to the front where it can get caught on drawer systems or things like that. So you can either run it in the front where the panel is, or you can run it on the opposite side of the fridge. So that's, I think that that's a really clever solution 
overall. Is it it's safe to assume that this one, it looks like it also has a reversible lid so you can it choose does. which side the lid opens from? Yeah. And that's an important consideration as well. And they, yeah, thanks for, for mentioning that too, Matt. On the con side, it is less space efficient. It has a very thick insulation. I would not say that it's super thermal efficient insulation like a National Luna, but it is very thick insulation. And then it's also extremely heavy. Um, it was the heaviest unit. This and the Trumer were both the heaviest units in the test. So you got to make sure you got the payload for it. Um, and just average performance overall. Um, the advantage of ARB is that you've got the company ARB standing behind it. So if you need long-term service or you need warranty, um, if you need access to parts or to getting the the unit repaired, you've got a lot of support behind that um, of a quality brand. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of those things. I, I, I feel like I come back to it all the time. You know, people are, we're always struggling to meet that balance of um, affordability in this yeah. year because a lot of it's expensive. But the, the thing that's important to remember is if you skimp on price and go with a company that's kind of knocking off something, yep. you don't often have the support in case you have issues down the road. So Correct. it can often make more sense to spend more up front and to have less cost in the long run. Especially with something like a fridge, because yep. you can just move it to your next vehicle and your next vehicle and your next vehicle. Yeah, it's Again, an investment. Totally. Like yep. the, those angles that'll last you a lifetime, literally. So yep. um, the next one that we we're going to talk about is the Dometic. That was the total surprise of the test. Uh, it comes in at 47 pounds uh, for a 55 liter unit. They have units that go under 40 pounds, depending upon the size. It's also a great performer. Overall, it's got the best display in the test. It's high up on the unit, so it doesn't get obscured. It's up by the lid itself, which is really nice. Oh, It was. It was definitely the editor's choice, and there's a few reasons for that. Again, it has that the best display in the test, um, the best location of a display as well. I really like it up high on the unit. It also has a USB output output right there, so you can charge your phone. Oh, that's It's handy. just really clever yeah. um, to be able to do that, charge any other device, your GoPro or whatever, uh, right there at the top of the unit. And it has the best overall performance, excellent insulative performance. They're clearly using high efficiency insulation in the unit. And then it has a really efficient compressor as well. And then it also is the lightest weight. And we talk about weight a lot on this on this podcast because it's it's really important. And it's also one of the most cost effective too. So it's this crazy combination of simplicity overall, performance overall, good user interface with the unit, has a good app as well. But there are a few cons. So it doesn't have a full internal freezer. It only has an ice, the ice trays right. on the inside. Right. So if you need that, um, you need to go with one of their other units. They do have a, a dual zone uh, system as well. And the plastic exterior is going to get a lot of wear and tear if it's not used in the right way or with the cover. They do make a really nice cover for them. When I use it in the Scout, because I'm paying attention to every pound, uh, I don't use the cover inside that. But I just haven't had a situation where it got any kind of real real wear and tear in that regard. It's just a great value, high performer. We're going to go into the angle next. So the angle, it's old school cool. I mean, it is literally, that was a pun, wasn't it? Old school cool. <laughs> Maybe that should have been the name of the article. <laughs> yeah, we'll use that for the next time. I yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> so the angles are, the angles are the real deal. They have been around forever and they are so well proven. Made in Japan, they have the lowest startup amperage. They have the lowest amp draw overall in the test. They also have the most space efficiency for the vo- for the exterior volume, and that's because the insulation is fairly thin. And as a result of that, uh, during the warm up test, it, 
does warm up faster than other fridges. When you have a super efficient compressor, you've got that balance between the two. On the con side, uh, the, the coil configuration definitely favors it being a dual zone. So all of the coils are kind of packed to one side. So if you were to remove the dual zone component tree, and it's very easy to do, you just slide out that that little insulative barrier, you end up with one side of the fridge being cooled a lot more than the other side. So keep that in mind. And they do sell just regular refrigeration uh, units. But for this dual zone, you, you want to be mindful of the fact that all the coils are on one side. The handles are also not great for lashing down. So you want to get some kind of an aftermarket lashing. I think Expedition Exchange sells some that just screw into where the handles go and you end up with really robust stainless steel lashing points. Overall, kind of average cooling and warm-up performance right in the middle of it. A very affordable unit overall, extremely reliable. Uh, just the design of it itself lends itself to, to being uh, extremely reliable because of that Sawa Fuji compressor. Now let's move on to the National Luna. The National Luna has won all of our tests up to this point, um, and it is not to take anything away from the National Luna in this particular test because they are the most, like the Land Cruiser, they're like the G-Wagon of fridges. There's no question about it. The material qualities throughout are exceptional. Everything is designed by people who use these in the field in Africa. They're made in Southern Africa. They use the highest quality components. They have an entire team that's dedicated towards making the best possible fridges in the world. What's interesting about this a legacy dual zone is that it has some technology inside it that allows it to apportion of freezing and, and, and refrigeration capabilities between the two compartments. It can actively cool one side or the other. And as a result of that, you get some inefficiency in the process. So if, if you've got the fridge full and it's just running as it should, you don't really notice any of that. But if you were like, let's say you had nothing in the freezer because you consumed all of that food and now you just have fresh food. You're going to want to make sure that you make that now a just a fridge compartment and not leave it empty oh, <clears throat> because otherwise it starts directing a lot of the performance towards that. Because there's no thermal mass in there to keep Correct. The, the temperature. Yeah. Correct. That's something to keep in mind. It's actually, it's an advantage and a disadvantage to the unit. So it's just knowing how it's designed. The pros, again, super high quality material. It's a very attractive fridge overall, this dimpled stainless steel. The lid can be mounted in multiple directions. It has very precise precise and independent compartment controls, which is something that most of the other units uh, can't do as well. And it has class leading insulative performance. So once you get it to temperature, it takes a long time for it to warm up, which is what you want. You want it to stay cold for as long as possible. I really like just looking at the photos that you took of it for the article. I'm really intrigued by the the basket setup too, because mm. most of the other cooler fridges, whatever they happen to be, the food baskets, it's just one basket straight to the bottom, but this it's actually separated vertically. So it you is. can lift one out. Cause like one of the things that I always used to struggle with in the ARB was sometimes the thing you want is at the bottom and you always to, at the bottom. You have to pull everything out. <laughs> and, and often with these small fridges, you have to like jigsaw it all in to get it to fit just right. If you're trying to do, you know, yep. four or five days worth of fresh food. So that, that design actually seems like, I feel like that would save me a ton of time with it, getting what I need. It does. And you if know? you end up with tall items then you just don't put in the top basket. Sure. Um, and then you can have a bunch of tall items and stuff in there. Like if Half Matt Scott needs his, if Matt Scott needs his chilled rosé, I mean, it's just very easy to do that. Um, I'm calling out Matt, but there's nothing. I love. He's not here to defend it. himself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, you know, go and, for it. And yeah, exactly. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with rosé. So 
On the con side, it is a little bit slower to cool because of that technology that they use to apportion the cooling effectiveness. Um, so it is a little slower than some of the previous models or some of the other models in the test. And then it has two latches, two like heavy duty metal latches. So every time you open the fridge, if you want it to, to seal properly, this is something that a lot of manufacturers of fridges haven't figured out yet. Most of the cooling losses through the lid or through the seal around the lid. And did you, did you gain this insight with that FLIR camera? Exactly. So we used the FLIR camera and it was actually the reason why we saw a performance difference between the ARB and the, and the Truma Mm -hmm. was because of the lid seal. So the ARB lid seal was not as effective as the Truma. And you could see it on the FLIR camera very clearly that there was a lot of cooling loss from the lid and the lid seal. So because of that, National Looney uses two steel clamping clasps and that uh, can take time when you want to open it up. So just keep that in mind. And you know what I do on my National Luna, I just clamp one of them and I don't worry about the fact that I've lost a little bit of efficiency. Sure. So it ends up really not being a big deal, but it's something to note. And then the last one is the Truma, which we did talk about the performance and the attributes around the ARB. Uh, they're similarly priced as well. They're slightly different in the handle design. So the handle on the Truma actually does kind of come out for, for lifting, whereas the ARB one is just integrated. So the Truma handles would be used for lashing, whereas the ARB has the capability of kind of clamping in a stainless steel mounting bracket. The interior baskets are slightly different as well, uh, but they're essentially the same fridge. Yeah. They perform essentially the same. Yeah. Well, cool. That's, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah. There's a, there is a lot to that. I, I think, I think that it, the value award, the value award did go to the, to the angle deservedly. So, mm-hmm. so editor's choice was the Dometic and the value award was the angle. I remember it was really fun watching you work through this test in our, our lab quote, yeah. lab um, and just seeing, you know, the attention to detail with the data loggers. And I having seen this test go down, I can truly say that you thought very deeply um, about how to collect the data. And it, it felt like the data you collected was really valuable. So I, yeah, I, thank I you. think this is a, a really valuable article for folks to, to find. And it is on Expedition Portal too. It you is. You can find it uh, there. So if you're in the market for a fridge, it's a great resource to look at, but it doesn't cover everything. So there, there is, there is more out there too, right? No question. Yeah. There's other fridges that are available, many other different um, sizes and models from ARB and Dometic and National Luna and others. Uh, but this kind of covers the, the newer units that are on the market. So we always try to make sure we're testing the newest stuff that's out there. Cool. We've done the deep dive on the 12 volt fridges for sure, but there's other ways to keep our food cold that can be a lot less expensive. And oftentimes is the perfect solution. So you, you just did a recent test on soft-sided coolers. So let's kind of rip into that. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be in the spring 2022 issue of Overland Journal. So yeah, which is just now shipping. Exactly. So if you're a subscriber, you're going to get, get a first look at that. Um, yeah. Testing soft-sided coolers was really fun. So this was, you know, what we call a best of breed test. So it wasn't quite as in-depth in terms of collecting data and being scientific about it. It was a little bit more just take them out into the field, use them, see how they perform, which we did. And I believe we had six or seven, seven units that, that we took out and they were, you know, a variety of different designs. We had some over the shoulder kind of like tote bag style coolers. Um, we had some backpack style coolers. We had some roll tops, a bunch of zippers. So kind of a, a good selection. And from, you know, all the leading manufacturers of these types of products. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, 
soft-sided coolers, like the technology behind them and the materials that they're using for insulation these days is is very high quality, so much so that some of these performed almost on par with some hard-sided coolers I've used. I mean, certainly these soft-sided coolers are better than any kind of bargain hard sure. cooler that you're going to buy. Okay, if you're going to go and buy a, a top-notch hard-sided cooler, you know, like um, a Yeti or something like that, that that's a different story. But um, I was really impressed with pretty much everything in the test uh, in terms of its insulating abilities. Uh, the only major differences that I saw between them were some are just designed as lighter duty units. They're not really intended for like multiple days of sure. keeping ice. They're more of like for day trips, you know, obviously with anything like this, some of the components there's, there is variation there. So some certainly had higher quality components. And mostly when I say that I'm referring to zippers, we had one yeah. zipper that broke during our test. Most of them held up pretty well. So now the question that I have is, did you use the backpack coolers as backpacks? I mean, it seems like that that's to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Like what was your thought on the backpack, like with the straps and everything? There? So I think, I think it has its place and, and I, I, I see some value in it. Um, for instance, let's say you're, you're going to a destination and, and you're going to want to have a picnic or, you know, leave the vehicle to take an extra little journey to somewhere special. Um, or maybe fishing or something. Yeah. Sure. Fishing. Yeah. You know, anytime you're going to be moving the cooler a longer distance or needing to carry it further, the backpacks are kind of nice because mm. it frees up your hands to carry other gear. Got it. Chairs and things like that. Chairs, a fishing rod, you know, yeah. kind of like you were just talking about or like setting up camp, right? You know, maybe if you're walking a hundred yards from your vehicle to set up a ground tent um, and, and various camping gear, like you can throw the cooler over your shoulders and then you've got both hands free to carry a table and a tent and all these other things. Mm. When it comes down to the idea of carrying these things for like a day, like I would never put a backpack style soft cooler on and hike with it for an entire day of hiking on a trail. Sure, That's just not really something that I can envision doing. And also when it comes down to that, I think even the with these backpack style carrying systems, none of them were particularly comfortable sure. for long distance carries, you know, sure. short, short duration. Sure. Carrying a full cooler like this all day, I wouldn't want to do that. So the soft sided cooler that I've used and, and I haven't tested the other unit. So this is, I, I'm coming from a place of ignorance around it. So I've used this Yeti that you guys can see in the background here in the YouTube video. Um, it just has been the soft sided cooler that I've always used. Um, uh, I mean, I've used some before that, but this is the one I've used for the last few years and it does have a shoulder strap. So what I'll, I'll just kind of throw it over my shoulder, like a messenger bag. And then you can kind of swing the fridge back behind you, you know, just above of your butt basically. And then I do find that I can keep my hands free. And then what I use, I use that strap um, to put it around the back of the seat in the vehicle so that the the cooler doesn't go flying around. It just kind of helps secure it in place. And then the strap is easily removed if you're being more sensitive around that. Yeah. I was just really curious on the, on the backpack thing. I can see if you're, yeah, if you're walking back into a lake or something like that fishing, or you're going and go doing a, a nice, you know, sunset picnic or something like that. I could see why that would be really helpful for sure. And like this ice mule that you've got behind you, it's got additional yep. pockets for bringing Sam other things, you know, chips or whatever. Yeah. And actually, um, you know, a lot of the coolers, I think, I think it might have not every single one. Most of the coolers in this test have these exterior pockets now that are not generally insulated, but uh, oftentimes they are highly water resistant or mm. 
waterproof. Um, and they give you a great place to stash like your phone or car keys, or like you said, a sandwich, you know, like something uh, small that you don't want to lose or misplace. Yeah. Um, your cookies or chips or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you're not worried about keeping cold. You know, it's, it would seem like most of these products are designed to be used in places where water is present just because of the all of the exterior waterproof zippers. I mean, it makes sense for the main compartment to be waterproof because if you have ice or something inside, you don't want it leaking into your vehicle. But very often these uh, these auxiliary pockets on the outside are also waterproof zippers. So I think these are a lot of these are for lakes, they're for boats, they're for going to the beach, you know, they're for going places where you might have some some water present. So And what I use mine for is because there's not a, a pass through between the truck and the scout. I will just kind of put a couple drinks and some snacks in this small Yeti soft-sided cooler and I just keep it inside the truck. And then I can use the ice that the Dometic makes to keep it cold or use ice packs. It's amazing even just setting ice packs on top of the compartment where the ice is made. It usually gets it extremely cold or sometimes even frozen mm-hmm. overnight. Um, and I do like to use ice packs for that. I don't prefer using uh, cubes of ice inside a soft-sided cooler because a lot of them do leak if they if they tip over. Yeah, they can. I actually, I was impressed. I didn't really have any experiences with zippers leaking on any mm-hmm. of the models we tested, but um, it, it can happen. You know, yeah. you have to make sure that you really securely pull the zipper all the way to the end of its track. That's what's happened with me is you just, you kind of, you don't, you get a little lazy and like on the Yeti, for example, it's got to get completely, you know, set into this little rubber bushing at the end of it or, or kind of capture at the end of it. Yeah. And those, those beefy waterproof zippers can be, you you have to exercise some force to really get that last little bit of closure. So, you know, that's important to keep in mind, but I, I like what you said. I mean, having food stay cold, but having it easily accessible in a vehicle, I think is one of the best use cases for these. So, they're a great accessory to a fridge or for shorter trips. You know, if you're someone, you know, if you're like a weekend warrior and you're doing two and three day trips at max, these can be a great alternative to a refrigerator because a lot of these coolers will hold ice for three days plus. Sure. Now there's some nuance to that, you know, like if you leave it in your vehicle with the vehicle closed in the sun and the vehicle gets up to hundred degrees, that's not going to be the case. So there are some like concessions you have to make, you know, maybe you want to be willing to take the cooler out of the vehicle and put it on the shady side of the vehicle. If you're going to stay parked for a long period of time, um, there are some things you have to consider like that. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah. But also the the ice thing you mentioned too, you know, I think ice packs are a great alternative to cube or block ice because no one likes the wet mess inside the cooler. That's yep. a big argument for a refrigerator instead, because you sure. often avoid that. So you, end up, you don't end up with the soggy sandwiches. Yeah. One interesting thing I learned around that though, when I was doing doing research with this, I, I learned that it's actually more efficient to leave the meltwater in cooler or fridge with yeah, the ice. That has been a out. debate for decades of like, what's better to to pour out the ice water or leave it in. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly, it's a nasty mess when it's in there with food, but um, if you can figure out a way to keep the food out of that with like, you know, maybe one of those elevated wire racks, it, mm-hmm. it a lot of these companies have these resource sections on their websites where they talk about getting the most efficient use of your cooler. And across the board, they say that, like, leave the meltwater in. It will warm up faster if you're pouring that out. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, because yeah, you're removing that cold water. So yes, it's, the- it's an extra thermal mass, <laughs> exactly. you know, and, and it insulates better than the air does inside the coolers. Another thing I'll use the soft-sided cooler for is oftentimes you go to the grocery store and you end up with just a few more items than you can fit in your fridge. So it just lets you, you put a couple items in the soft-sided cooler until you've had a meal or two and then you 
feed them back into the to the main fridge. It does feel like a pretty nice complement. Yeah, it can be your overflow space. And yeah, yeah. I mean, and if you're taking a cold thing, you know, if, like let's use ice cream as the example. If you go grocery shopping and you're just you're not you're a little over capacity, putting frozen items in there, they it keeps them cold for quite a long time. It, it so. really does. Now, yeah. did you find that there was one closure type that worked better than the others? Like this ice mule that you've got behind you has a roll top. It seems like that would be pretty well sealed. The roll tops are, are great. And you know, when you think about longevity of products, I mean, it's, there's less mechanical parts. Zippers do wear out in the Mm. long run, you know, even well-made zippers. So I think if you're concerned with that, a roll top design is clever. Um, and they do a great job of being waterproof. You know, it's like a dry bag that you would take in a raft sure. or a kayak. Um, it rolls over and then it buckles. So the buckle hardware is easier to replace if it breaks, easier than a zipper. Like yeah. uh, you're, if, if your zipper breaks on one of these, you're sending it back to the manufacturer and likely it's just going to be replaced versus sure. uh, replacing the zipper. You know, I think you you get into some other challenges with a non-zippered opening um, with how much of an opening you actually get. Um, oh, sure. You know, because keeping these efficient requires insulation to to fully um, come together on the closure. I found that some of the most convenient uh, coolers to get into to load and unload were was actually, we had a Yeti in the test and it was in that same category as this one you've got behind us. It was one of the backflip models. Sure. So it zips open and the lid flips completely back and you have like completely unrestricted access. And that was huge for me. I mean, I really appreciated that. Yeah. That was one of the things that I noticed. We tested one of the earlier angle soft-sided coolers Mm -hmm. and it had, it had a closure that snapped in place and then a zipper. Mm -hmm. So you'd unsnap it, you'd open up the zipper and then the insulation came basically touched underneath the zipper. Right. But the inside of the cooler was made of this rubber material that stuck to everything, like it, mm. an enormous amount of resistance. So like if you wanted to feed things in, you needed a, a third hand. So like you needed two hands to open it up and right. then another one to drop the stuff in. So if you were just trying to get like a water bottle out of there, it would stick to that, to that rubber material. And it just made it very difficult to get things in and out of the fridge or in and out of the cooler, for example, like it did an amazing job of keeping it cold. Like it yep. was very well insulated, but it was just the material choice on the inside had a lot of stiction to it yeah. um, that made it really difficult to get things in and out without it kind of being held up by the sides of the cooler. Totally. I, and I experienced that. I, it was interesting. Some of the manufacturer's recommendation was to actually wedge something in the opening. Oh, sure. If you're an individual to make. Oh, that would work. Up. Yeah. So they'll like say prop like, it open. They would have like, they'd be like, take an algae and water bottle and just wedge it in and it will hold it open because, yeah. you know, some, some of the most efficient ones, like you said, the insulation comes right up together. And it's almost like a kind of like a taco style opening. So it wants to close together for sure. So you, you have to use force to hold it open to get things in and out. So, so you found that the zipper top ones were just like the most easy to interact with, Well, but it seems like very few of them are, that, necessarily. are, are made that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Yeti specifically, all of the zippers were these waterproof zippers that had quite a bit of resistance, except the hydro flask. It had almost like, um, it was like a Ziploc bag style. Oh, interesting. Um, and that one was actually very easy to open and close given that it was a waterproof zipper. I would say ultimately the roll tops were a little bit easier to manage, but I see. Um, yeah, the Yeti in particular just sticks out because it was so easy to load and unload with the full access. Um, you know, that was, that was kind of the favorite, but should I, should I kind of walk you through? Yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's talk about what you liked and didn't like, and let's go through that. Yeah. Well, obviously we We've been talking about it quite a bit. The the opening, I think, is one of the crucial 
parts that you would want to pay attention to when you're selecting one of these. So the Yeti is the first one in the list. And I think it did the best job of, of that being easy to access the food inside. It's, it was a backpack style cooler. It's a bit taller than it is wide. It has these nice vertical walls. So using the interior space is, is easy. Good amount of volume. It was 24 quart capacity. Mm. So you could fit quite a lot in there. Not too heavy. You know, it's like, there's crazy light five pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Super light. You're not going to have any issues with vehicle capacity when using stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. the And the Yeti was was extremely efficient. I mean, it held ice for over five days in in not desert environment. You know, I was, uh, I think I, well, actually, no, that's not true. I had it in Texas, like on the Texas, New Mexico border. And so the nights would get cold, but the days would be warm and it held ice really well. It was one of my favorites. It, it was a little bit more expensive. So, sure. and, and just design wise, the outside's a nice kind of clean profile. It has some daisy chains. If you want to clip stuff to the outside of it, mm-hmm. like a bottle opener or a water bottle or things like that. Yeah, that was that was a, a great one. I really did enjoy that. The zipper, like I mentioned, it is it's one of those zippers that can be a little bit difficult to to use. You have to pull on it. I mean, they actually give you like a, it looks like a chapstick. It's like a lubricant. Yeah, I saw that. So, and I have used that and that really does help. And then it's got like a heavy duty rubber T handle that you can use for some leverage. Yeah. Yeah. So I think overall design was really good on that one. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that kind of stick around just because of how well it worked. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So that was the Yeti. We also had a cooler from Pelican, which was kind of cool. They, they actually have a whole division of products that's like made for biomedical storage and transport. So although coolers might not be like the first thing you think of when you think of Pelican, that's one of their kind of commercial endeavors, which I thought was neat. So this was another backpack style cooler. It's called the Day Venture. This is a unique one in in the test in that it is, uh, there's a limited amount of insulation in it. This wasn't one that I would necessarily recommend using for multi-day trips to keep food that has to be cold, cold. This is more for like your day trips, I think, you know, sure. single night, overnights. Uh, it also also had a smaller capacity. It has, and, but it has two compartments, which is cool. Uh, it was the only one that had two compartments, if I remember correctly. So it has a lower section that fits a little more than like a six pack of beverages with a waterproof zipper. And then it has an upper compartment with a roll top closure. Got it. Yeah. So it's kind of like this hybrid thing. And the upper compartment wasn't super well insulated. I don't think it's really technically designed as an insulated food compartment. It's the lower part is for ice and cold things. And the upper compartment is more of like a waterproof storage. You could put clothing in it. You could put food in it. I did sure. with ice. Uh, and then it also has an exterior pocket that you can put things in, but that is not a, a waterproof exterior pocket. And I, I learned that the hard way I was like walking up a riverbed and I totally ate it, went in the water <laughs> and all the things that were in that pocket got soaked. So. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, but it looks like the perfect kind of like picnic. Yeah. I think pack. that would be a good use case. You know, two people, uh, one meal, I think would sure. be perfect. Again, that is a backpack style one. It's, it's tall and skinny. It's got some exterior grab handles. Yeah. That was a good one. The next one in our test was from a company called Canyon Coolers. So they kind of came on the scene when it comes to hard coolers as a like a major competitor to, you know, like Yeti, um, who was kind of one of the first big premium hard-sided coolers. Uh, and Canyon was a little different because they did a, a totally vertical sidewall on mm. the outside, which is actually pretty convenient for loading them in and out of like vehicles where, you, you know, you want to make the most efficient use of space. Sure. Um, and it probably nests in nicely with other gear. Yeah. Those tapered designs of coolers, I think, I'm not going to say they're poor design, but it seems like it's not the most efficient use of space all the time. And so they were like, we're going to make a cube. Like when you see their hard coolers, they're just a cube shape. And so their soft-sided cooler that we tested 
this Nomad Go uh, is similar. It kind of just looks like a block. And this one was extremely well insulated. It had kind of a, an interesting hybrid closure system, kind of like you were describing with the angle. It has a zipper mm. and then it has two buckles on the sides. So you, you have a waterproof zipper and then you buckle the sides down. This one was one of the most difficult ones to get into. It had that slippery, grippy, not slippery. It's like a- It's like a crazy rubber. Right, yeah. It, the inside of it is really sticks to like plastic things. Sure. So, and it had the, this really thick insulation that comes right up to the the top of the closure. So this is one of the ones where on their website, they actually say, try wedging a water bottle in it to hold it open so you can more easily get things in and out. Sure. It did have excellent insulation, you know, Know, multiple days is no problem for this cooler. And it's, I think from what I remember amongst all of these cooler, this, this had the thickest sidewalls. Mm. So it actually looks gigantic in size when you're carrying it, but the inside space was not huge. So it's, it's not super space efficient. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It's yeah, uh, like 21 quarts. So yeah. Yeah. But it's not nothing. I mean, you can fit a good amount of food in there. No doubt. And I sent this with my roommate down to Indian Creek in Utah, and she took it on some climbing trips, had it in a desert environment, and she had a really good experience with it. Nice. It is uh, it is a backpack style one, so you can carry it on your shoulders. It's got an exterior waterproof pocket, so you can stash things like a phone or keys or you know papers, things you don't want to get wet. Um, is this the one that was kind of a dark gray? Yes. Yeah, that looked, it was a really nice looking cooler as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. And, and a little bit more affordable. It's like closer to the $200 price point. I think 230 is what it costs. Then we've got the angle, which is the first one we're talking about in this lineup that that was not a backpack style cooler. So this is kind of the sling style, you know, over the shoulder if you need to carry it. I really love this one for like vehicle trips where I'm not needing to take it out, where it's just like living on the floor, maybe in the back seat mm. with our food for the day while we're driving. Had a good capacity, 22 quarts. Crazy it's light too. Super light. Yeah. Yeah. Only three and a half pounds. Same deal with the, the entry on this one. It's kind of that hybrid. It's got a zipper that's waterproof and then it's got two buckles on the side. So you kind of zipper it shut and then buckle the sides down and it takes its most compact form uh, that way. This also had this really interesting vacuum valve on it, um, which we had uh, there were two coolers The some of one of the ice mule coolers in our test had something similar. And is that for elevation to for expansion? So I think that's the best purpose for it. You know, like these coolers, they're all, they're like RF welded plastic. So you've got basically like an inner chamber and an outer skin mm. and there's insulation and air trap between the two. So when you go up in elevation, some of these do puff up a little bit Sure, and they'll like, it, it's kind of funny. And so I found that valve really handy. If we were traveling around in the mountains of Colorado, which we did a lot last year, if you went up and it was all puffed up and out of shape, you could open that valve and let some of that excess air out. Interesting. But the idea of that, it is called a vacuum valve. The idea is that you can use a vacuum and suck out the extra air in there oh, sure. to try and increase the thermal efficiency. That makes sense. Cooler. It does make sense. I think nobody will probably do it, but it definitely makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. That was, that was kind of my takeaway. It was like, I'm never going to go to the trouble of going and getting my vacuum out of the right. you know closet to get that extra 2% of efficiency. Sure. It just didn't feel necessary to me. Yeah. Um, interesting. But for the gearheads that are really looking for like the most maximizing features, it, sure. Yeah. It came with a bottle opener. It has a exterior pocket. Um, it's got some grab handles, a well-rounded cooler and 200 bucks. So. And made by a company that specializes in keeping food cold. So it's probably well insulated overall. Good design as far as that goes. Absolutely. And and they, Angle was another one that had this great resource on their website it, that was, it's called like keep ice longer. And they give you a whole list of things that you can do 
with any soft sided cooler or hard cooler for that matter to get the most out of your ice, like pre chilling it before you load food into oh, it with sure. extra ice and not emptying the water out and things like that. So sure. there's, there's some little tricks you can use to get the most out of these. Very cool. Hydro flask. We, we I kind of mentioned this one before. That's cool that they're making coolers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're super popular in the water bottles. Yeah, you no know, doubt. The, the stainless water bottles. So they're they're cooler. This day escape soft cooler. This is kind of a light duty single day cooler, in my opinion. It's it's really lightweight and yeah, only and three pounds. The insulation is very light, so it's not going to keep ice for like days and days and days. But totally twenty four hours or a little bit longer, no problem. This one's a, a great looking cooler. Um, it's this like nice two tone blue. So it's kind of like the water bottles. Like it's really yeah. designy, you know? Sure. And it had this cool feature. It has these kind of like Molly panel uh, attachment points. They make a bunch of these waterproof, they're almost like Ziploc bag style attachments that you can get uh, in various sizes and you can attach them to the front or not. And it's a good place again for a phone or, you know, something that you want to keep dry in a wet environment. So that was kind of neat. Um, and then this looks like this one has a zippered closure. This was a zippered closure and it was, but, but not a conventional zipper. It didn't have teeth. It was more like a Ziploc bag. Oh, interesting. Um, and so this one was out of all the zippered style closures, this was the easiest to manipulate. And I got feedback from a bunch of people that used it. They were like, yeah, this one was, it was easy to get the zipper open and closed. It's got some grab handles. It has like a, a mesh pocket on the side for non-waterproof storage of extra things like car keys. And as you can see, it's also a backpack style yeah. collar. So you can throw it over your shoulder. So you have both your hands free. Do the uh, backpack straps come off? They were not some, removable. Yeah, some of them aren't one. removable. I noticed that. That was interesting. Yeah. And one other thing I think, it's important to point out is any, any heavy thing that's got backpack straps that you're going to carry around for a long time, really, you should be looking to see if it has a waist belt too, because mm. it's uncomfortable to carry heavy loads on backpack straps directly on your shoulders. Anything that's designed to be carried for a long time should have a pretty robust waist belt. And ideally you buckle that cinch it down. And what it will do is transfer the load to your hips instead of your shoulders. Sure. So some of these had waist straps, but they're like, just un like to keep it from shifting around. Probably an afterthought. Yeah. yeah. They're not really designed to take the weight off the shoulders. So yeah, that makes sense. Kind of like you were saying, like, are these backpack style things really that valuable? And I think they can be helpful. It shouldn't be a thing where you're like, I need to have backpack straps. Sure. I think the shoulder strap that's removable like on the Yeti is is good enough. You're walking into an all day concert from the parking lot. It's probably helpful for that. But totally. Yeah. So that's the Hydro Flask. We tested a cooler from a new company called Orca, or they've been around for a little while, but they're kind of newer to me, I should say. I wasn't familiar with them before this test. Yeah, it started in 2012, it looks yep. like. I like this one a lot, actually. I, th I think it had some really great attention to detail in terms of design. It had nice colors. The exterior fabric was like a really nice kind of almost textured, like woven material. I like that one. I remember seeing it. It was really really handsome. If you want something that looks good, this is a good option, but it was also a, a good cooler in terms of insulation. You know, I think definitely could hold ice for a, a handful of days. No problem. It did have a zipper closure, which again, you know, there's like a little bit of lubricant that they give you to maintain that. It had a really nice grab handle on the top that I thought, yeah, like, I see that the ergonomics of that were nice. It had these kind of like molded plastic two pieces that had magnets in them. And so the two handles, when it was zipped up, they kind of magnetized together. And then you have this rounded hard plastic handle to hold, which is a lot more comfortable when you're carrying this by the handle than let's just say a webbing strap that's digging, biting into your hand, digging sure. in your hand. Yeah. If it's fully loaded up, it had a shoulder strap that was removable. It had a nice, really robust material on the bottom of it that, you know, gave me a lot of confidence to just put it on the ground anywhere and not worry sure. about like rocks or anything like that. So it looks like a nicely thought out cooler. And it does it look like it was about the same size as some of the others. Cause it, 
looks like they don't have a volume for it. Yeah, they, they didn't. They, they talked about volume in terms of how many cans it could hold. Sure. So they say it holds 18, 12 ounce cans. So yeah, I mean, it's a party comparable. Yeah, yeah that is a party comparable <laughs> volume to uh, everything else. And, and again, $200, like pretty good price point, at least in this roundup. The last one that we've got is the ice mule. It was the traveler that we tested. So the one next to me is, is called the boss. And actually it didn't I would say so. That thing's huge. It is giant. So, so we didn't test that one in this article. We'll, we'll definitely share some information about that at a later point, but the traveler was a really interesting cooler in the mix. It was like, I kind of had this love hate relationship with it. It came down to, I thought like the volume was great. You know, it actually had quite a bit of volume. Yeah, 26 quarts. Yep. And a good form factor. It's this nice cube shape. So it's not like an awkward size. It it packs well. It had a really interesting carrying system. It's kind of like a like a hybrid backpack. Like if you've ever seen firefighting line packs that Mm. kind of sit on the lower back. Right. It's kind of like that. And it's clever. It was weird to set up. Like I, I had a hard time figuring it out, but it was actually the most comfortable of the backpack style carries because it placed it right against your lower back, which was just comfortable. It also had a really interesting opening. It had these two metal rods in the lip that when you unzipped it and pulled them out, they would kind of pop into place and hold the opening open for you. Oh, it solved that problem. It did. It's really clever. I I think it was one of the most kind of innovative features that I saw in any of these soft-sided coolers when it comes to loading and unloading. It just makes that way easier. It had the lowest quality zipper out of all of the products that had a zipper, which actually broke during testing. Yeah, I remember Um, that. Yeah, which was kind of a bummer. Now, Ice Mule's pretty good when it comes to customer service. I didn't warranty it for the purposes of this, but they do offer uh, warranties for stuff like that. Um, yeah. I have no doubt they would have replaced that. But also along those lines, it had some interesting like proprietary plastic hardware on the, the closure. So it has the zipper and then it has two buckles on the sides, but they're weird. They're like complex. It's like a pinch thing and it wasn't, it's not a traditional buckle. There's like a little plastic ball and it kind of clamps onto that. Those didn't break, but I do worry when I see things like that, that I've never seen before when it's something like plastic that I think could break because I don't know where you would find a replacement one other from ice mule. If you break it on the road, you might not be able to replace it until you get back from your trip. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, it it, looks like a a nice looking cooler too. I mean, it looks like a simple form factor. It would be a nice compliment and a big, big volume too. It held a lot. I remember I was using this one in Colorado and we were up at like 11,000 feet and, um, we had a bunch of drinks I wanted to ice down, but I hadn't picked up ice. So we just found a big snowbank that was left over from the winter. And I brought a shovel over and perfect. I just shoveled ice into it until it was full. Yep. And then just stuck the cans in there. Oh, that's so. perfect. So that's it. Yeah. That's, those are all the coolers we tested in the soft sided cooler test. Yeah. That was very comprehensive and it's been fun to see a lot of innovation come into that space. I think, I think when the hard sided coolers all kind of took off and they found ways to make a better hard sided cooler than the one, you know, that we had all been using forever. Um, you know, when they finally came out with something that was going to keep ice for longer, it really opened up the whole space, including the the soft sided stuff on the hard sided coolers. You know, I don't think we'll spend a lot of time on that today, but they definitely have their place. It used to be the argument that they were a lot less expensive, but that's not necessarily the case. You can spend, you can spend as much money on a hard sided cooler as you can on a fridge. So it's really just about buying the solution that best meets your needs. But there is something about, you know, pulling a cold drink out of a tub full of ice that 
that's that can be pretty nice when you got a big group of people. And I, I think that the hard-sided coolers are oftentimes just a great complement in a larger group to having individual fridges. I like them too. They offer a little bit of extra utility. Like on the well-made ones, like you can stand on them and sit on them. Yep. You know, so like bam, you've got a little step stool to get up to the rack on top of your rig. Totally. Or, or you've got an extra seat for someone, mm-hmm. which is is pretty handy. Those are two things you often need in the field. So well, and there's a lot of, of places where they're really appropriate. Like if you don't want to have the additional complexity of, of the wiring or the vehicle isn't well set up for that, or it's a, a vintage vehicle. I think the the Defender has like a 40 amp alternator. Like it just isn't well set up yep. from the factory to take the loads of a fridge or, or other things like that. Like old Land Cruisers just don't lend themselves well to that old Land Rovers and things like that. Or like, for example, in my sailboat, I use just a standard hard-sided Yeti cooler because I have access to ice in the marina and it's really easy to drain the water out into the lake. I just have not decided to go with a with a 12 volt fridge yet because also I don't have to worry about bigger batteries or draining the power down in the boat when I'm because you're not you're not generating alternator power from sailing. So you you really start paying attention to what consumes power. So I think it really is for the older vehicles. I think a traditional hard-sided cooler is a, is a great choice. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about it in many different categories of overland travel, but simple sometimes is better. You know, That's the, right. the less things you have that can break in the field, the less chance there is of something going sideways that you mm-hmm. didn't plan for. And all you got to do for a hard-sided cooler is put ice in it of yep. some sort. You know, there's no electronics to fail. There's there's nothing like that. So, and, and as you mentioned, like design on them has gotten really good. You know, a lot of them have these built-in drain plugs that so facilitate helpful. emptying. Some of them have shelf systems that you can add to, to allow you to, you know, easily maybe put dry ice in the bottom if you're really trying to extend your, your food storage time and keep the food off of it above mm-hmm. so it doesn't freeze. Um, or you can swap it and you can put dry ice on top of a divider that will allow it to freeze things below it. And those dividers can also keep your food up out of water if you're using traditional ice. Yep. So they've got some clever designs. And I've also seen, I've seen some pretty cool innovation in some of the Yeti ones in the closure systems too, where you don't have to use all this force now to to stretch those yeah. school elastic things. Now they have these kind of like cam lock designs that are super yeah, easy awesome. to open and close, but they're really secure. So and Yeti now makes this one stainless steel cooler that oh, looks wow. it looks like an, an old school Coleman, but uh-huh. but like on steroids. Uh-huh. So it is uh, like full disclosure, it is expensive, but it is, I mean, it's up on the shelf behind us right now. And it is it's like the most handsome hard-sided cooler you've ever seen. It's got a little cover that slides over it so you don't scratch your nine hundred dollar cooler, but it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it, if you want to go fishing with your buddies and or whatever, I mean, it's just a really, really cool hard-sided cooler. And they definitely have their place. Of course, there's a lot more options on the market now that do a good job of cooling. Uh, it's keeping things cool, uh, but are less expensive. So they can run the whole gamut of cost as well. Because as we always talk about in this podcast, we just don't want people to think that they need to buy a fridge because it's not the case. There's ice available all up and down Baja, all over, the, all over North America. You can find ice easily and it can be a lot less expensive than buying a fridge, making sure that we spend our money on the experience first as opposed to all these cool gadgets. Yeah, you never want to let the gear be the reason that you don't go and take the trip. Yeah. You know, and and you shouldn't need to. I think yeah. there are options out there. I mean, look, even if you're using that 10-year-old Coleman that doesn't do great, like just <laughs> it works. Go take the trip. That's yeah, the important sure. thing. So so what's your favorite, Matt? I mean, of the of the units that you've tried, the soft-sided ones, like what are some of the ones that stand out to you as your favorite? 
favorites. I mean, definitely the Yeti. It's called the Hopper backflip. It was the, yeah. it was a backpack style one with the full zipper and the lid that flips all the way open because it's just it's a great combination of high quality materials, uh, great insulation, and easy loading and unloading of food for sure. And I think all of those things are important. Insulation being consistent across quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. I think the opening is really the thing that is most important to me. So yeah, I really like that one, and it's it's just simple. It doesn't have tons of exterior pockets. It doesn't like just, yeah, clever. It just works. I use that one a lot in testing with the other ones, but I found myself going back to that one multiple times. And when I had multiple choices, wanting that one. Is that what you use in the Ram? So when you're pulling the Airstream, you like, you load up your food for the day in the truck. What do you use in, in the Ram? That's a good question. You know, we have to be so conscientious of space, even though we have a lot of it, but it is our full-time home. So yeah. we actually, we're not, we're not using a soft-sided cooler uh, at all, but we also have like almost what I would consider like a full-size refrigerator and freezer in the Ram. Often, oh, in the Ram or in the Airstream? Or in the Airstream, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. Often we'll just make lunch and- Sure. We'll That's just, true. You do have your house behind you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we can always stop if we need yeah, to. Yeah, sure. But when we're being smart about it, like if we have a big driving day, let's say we're trying to do 500 miles, you know, and we need to be efficient with stops. So we get in before it gets dark and get set up at camp before dark. We will usually just make food and we, we, we have like a totally collapsible Costco insulated food shopping bag. Perfect. And we'll just use that, yeah. you know, cause we're talking about like needing stuff to stay chilled for a matter of hours. Sure. And usually that's sufficient, but we did, we, we liked, I, I like the tote style coolers for the truck. Uh, yeah. just because, you know, if I'm not going to be carrying around, I don't need the backpack straps. So the angle was a great one for that. We used that one quite a lot, but my, like my editor's choice would be the Yeti. Oh, cool. Yeah. Personally. What about you? Yeah. I think, I mean, the Yeti, I don't know if what, I think that is probably the hopper style as well I, I that I've been is, using. Yep. I've, I've been, I've literally been wearing that thing out. You can see all the use on it because I've, it's just kind of my go-to now it's, it works so well. And then I definitely have the Dometic in the, in the scout in most of my vehicles. I've run the national Luna, um, inside the vehicle. That's been my choice for, for decades now, but they're, they're all really good. That's the nice thing is that they're, they're all really well-made. Yeah. It's kind of hard to go wrong. <clears throat> exactly. Really. Yeah. Exactly. So you're basically buying based upon features or the way you like it looks or whatever, you yeah. know, how light it is. So those are definitely factors, but it's nice to see lighter weight fridges. Now that's something we have not seen that has come from Dometic. So to have a lighter weight fridge is a big deal. And one that just arrived the other day that I'm excited to try out came from GoSun. I'm not really sure. My first impression is insulation wise. It seems like it's it's going to be less so than most fridges. But the interesting thing about this one is it has an integrated 12-volt battery. I think it's like an 87-watt-hour battery. So you can charge it up, get it cold at home, load it up and throw it in your rig and it doesn't need to be plugged in. Now, oh. an 87 watt hour battery is not going to last too long. I'm but guessing- maybe it bridges the gap of the overnights. So it's char- it, it charges might. the 87 amp hour battery during the day and runs the fridge during the day. Yep. You shut the car off and then it just runs off that interior battery at night. Absolutely. And it's got a reversible lid and it's got some of these features that we think of as you know being kind of important and standard. Yeah. And it also has integrated wheels for rolling around easily. So sure. it's kind of like a cooler meets fridge. So that'll be interesting to test out. Well, this is a fun topic. It's a very cool topic. (laughs) I got to use it one more time. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Having great food in camp is a big deal. And these are some excellent solutions to do that. You can read both of these tests in Overland Journal. Um, One of them is available in the winter 2021 issue. And then the soft-sided coolers is in spring of 2022. When you subscribe to Overland Journal, it obviously makes a huge difference. It's what makes this podcast possible. So we do a 
appreciate everybody's support in allowing for independent journalism to continue. So we appreciate all of you being subscribers. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt, for another great discussion. Of course, Scott. Thank you. Right on. And we will talk to you all next time.